the geek shall inherit the earth. thing honestly good old zoom eh fucking useless mate useless literally mate i've been on i've been on zoom since nine o'clock this morning <laughs> yeah not good not good Deary, um mate. cool all right then well yeah right. i mean let's, so, you, mate. so let's let, let's talk about the poems first then so talk to me about Talk about the poems because you've done loads during lockdown and since, obviously, with everything that's going on, not just because of lockdown, but because of what's happened since we've come back and then gone back in. Um, where where do you get the inspiration from to do it? Oh, hey, I don't know. It was really it was really random because I've sort of gone into um, lockdown after my show Netflix and Chill. Um, I did that in February in London and it got nominated for, you know, my debut play and it got nominated for like a, an award. And um, I was just on a really big high from from my first sort of like proper writing project being so yeah. successful. And then, I don't know, it's not that I get cocky, but it's like, you're like, oh, I just wrote a fucking mint play. Like, I want to uh, write another one. So, and I've always wanted to write something on homelessness. Um, yeah. That's really... Um, Really, something that I've always wanted to write about, but never really had the time or the capacity to do it. And I was watching documentaries for about a week um, in lockdown, just about homelessness, and um, and it, and I just I just couldn't think of a story. And I was I was beating myself up, like I was like, come on, like we, let's think of a story. Like, I knew I wanted to sort of like have a rough idea, but I just couldn't. I don't know. I just couldn't get it out of my my head. Yeah. So. Um, all my mates have been doing like poetry, and um, and I actually thought poetry was a bit poncy. Like I didn't like, like I just thought it was really pretentious, really like, um, just something that I've never really been asked about. Yeah. Um, but I suppose recently, poetry's gone a bit into mainstream, and and when you hear certain poetry, especially from working class voices, which is something that I'm massive about. It speaks to you. So I think I was listening to the wrong poetry. Yeah. And I've always wanted to give it a go. And I thought, well, if I can't write a play about homelessness, maybe I'll be able to write a poem. And I wrote my, I wrote my first poem, uh, The Invisible Man. Um, and I, I just sort of wrote it for myself. And then during sort of lockdown, I just sort of like sort of perform it. And yeah, it went down really well um, for my first one. And then I just sort of like got a bit of a buzz because everyone sort of like really liked it on social yeah. media. And, um, and I just sort of like started writing more and more. And um, 
I stopped, I was, I was quite angry in lockdown. Um, I was just quite angry. I'm a, quite an angry guy in general. I think, I think you um, and everybody else in the country was really angry during lockdown. Exactly. And I, and I, the thing is, and it's something that I've never, do you know what? It's actually something that I've never really written. I, I normally write a lot of comedy. I write a lot of comedy sketches. My Netflix and chill um, was comedy, but it was more, it was dark comedy, so there was stuff in it. But I've never really written my voice, like what I get annoyed about or something yeah. that, I think poetry was a really, and I was, you know, everyone was, everyone was down in lockdown and I've never really experienced mental health or anything like that, but I just got a bit, just got, I think I was just so frustrated. So I just started writing poetry. Um, and it was a really good way to express myself, really good way to channel my energy. And that's when I started writing, you know, about male body positivity, um, you know, mental health. And after the back of my play, which is all about mental health, um, I started writing a lot of mental health poetry. And then, um, and also, you know, about the, I'm, I'm quite on the cuff with things. So yeah. when something comes out, I'll normally write a poem about it. So when, you know, the whole Fatima thing came out, I'm telling her to retrain and, you know, yeah. the We Are Viable movement. Um, that I mean, that was my most successful. I got, I got like 22,000 views. I was buzzing. <laughs> um, we Are Viable one. Um, and yeah, and then I wrote um, my favourite, which was Man Up, which was like 20 men talking about See, men. I absolutely loved that one. That one was my absolute favourite. I loved that one. I thought that was so, that was so on the nose. You know what I mean? It was so, it's exactly what every bloke is going to be thinking. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly from, you know, from our perspective. It's not, it's not the government or someone saying this is how you should be thinking and how you should be feeling it's it's genuine blokes yeah yeah and i think it's just something that i've never i've never really delved into until my until i started writing my show netflix and chill and male male mental health is something that i've never really explored a lot of even though um both of my uncles actually um committed suicide and it's something that's been in my family quite a lot. I've never personally really experienced it and really delved into a lot until my play. And then through that, um, I sort of found my own voice through yeah. through that. And um, probably tackling some of my own demons that I've never even really gone into before. You know, you know what blokes are like, you know, that's what we do. We just suppress it. We yeah. just take it on the chin, put it to the back of our head. And it's probably something that, you know, I've never explored until one, my poetry, and two, now, and uh, with, with, with Netflix and chill and stuff. So, yeah, with Man Up, um, yeah, it was really successful. Really, it was really, I had so many incredible comments and so many people um, uh, commenting, but also messaging me, just saying, you've summed it up great. And yep. there was so heartbreaking stories, actually, that people sent to me that I was like, oh, my God. Um, and then this guy, Joe Plum, um, who works for, um, oh, what's it called? The ITV one, um, mental, is it like Britain Mental Health or Mental Health Matters or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the big ITV one that they do. And basically he works for them. He's a massive me mental health speaker. He's, um, he, uh, even, oh, do you know, John Barrowman even retweeted as well. Oh. Um, yeah, which was really, which was really cool. Um, and then we sort of did like a, um, a split version of the Man Up. So I did half and he did half, which yeah. again was amazing. Um, 
and yeah, I just think now I think through lockdown over the past like six months, and I think I'm sort of like some sick poet now, apparently. <laughs> you give George the poet a run for his money because that, that, I mean, I, I agree with you with the ponciness around poetry. You kind of think it's these posh knobs sitting in a jazz bar, you know, smoking, flipping, hand rolled tobacco and what. Yeah. That, that, that's how you, what you think of it, but. Um, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed George the Poet and I, I found his stuff was really, really on the nose as well. And then one of my friends had shared your video and that's when I, I watched it. and I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is exactly what people should be saying and what people should be listening to. Um, yeah, and it was just, and like every video that you've put out, every poem you've put out has been just nailed on like absolutely nailed on on the nose and it's what people should be should be saying the one where um you did the, the we are viable one that was that was brilliant i loved it i thought that was cracking because that's literally like two fingers up at the uh, at the government like you know well you're gonna love my next one then <laughs> <laughs> i basically for my next one i'm collaborating with my uh with the international youth arts festival which is also what i'm the program manager for yeah i did uh, see yeah and we're to, and we want to do a big promotion on just to keep. I read an art, basically, I read an article yesterday with um, with a guy who was just explaining that basically the government with with the arts, it's you can't quantify it into stats. It's just not what the arts is about. It's like you know, in a lot of um, especially in high school, especially in education, there's, there's stats that you can prove. Like with you know with with science and maths and and um, you know literature in some ways the, the stats that the government can see that how that progresses into into jobs and and how that affects the economy with the arts you have to think with your head and yeah. you have to you have to use the other side of your brain which which what which is what the government and just people can't use because they they just they they can only follow stats they can only follow facts. And they can only follow, um, you know, what's put in front of them on a piece of paper or in a spreadsheet. Well, you can't do that in the arts. It, yes, there's, you, you know, you can say that we contribute, you know, 111 billion to the arts every year and um, all that sort of stuff. And that's fine. But there's not reams and reams of stats that you can sort of put upon. It's all through personal experience. It's all through how you carry that into other jobs in terms of confidence, in terms of social speaking, because it does make you a better bus driver. It does make you a better teacher. It teaches you to stand in front of people and have the confidence to do that. Um, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But you can't put that into a stat. And I think that's why you can't quantify the arts into a spreadsheet because there's, there's so much more that the arts do which is why on my next poem, it's, it's all about that. And it's all about what the arts means to people and trying to yeah. get people testimonials on, uh, and just trying to open the government's eyes and just open people's eyes who constantly think the fucking art is just a hobby. It's just something you do on the side of a proper job. You can't really make money from it. Um, and I, it's, just, it's just about changing people's perception. Yeah. Really <clears throat> no, I, I, I totally get it. You know, I mean, I do... I do this for a hobby. I do the podcast for a hobby. I do my radio show for a hobby. I get paid nothing for it, but I do it because I love it 
And I know that there are people out there that do it to earn a living because not only do they love it, but they are, they are good enough. They've done the training. They are, you know, they are artistic enough to be able to put a value on their knowledge, their intellect and how they can help people. That's the whole point of the arts. The arts isn't people standing in a theater or people filming episodes of fucking Coronation Street or whatever. You know, you've got people that, that are helping youngsters to get into sound, lighting, visual, learn, teaching them how to do that. You've got, you know, the guys that, that own the radio station that I do my show on, they're called Young Technicians. They are a company that teaches and trains 16 to 18 year olds on how to, how to do radio, how to, how to do the, the electronic side of it, how to do the lighting, the sounds, how to build sound stages, how to do the, the lights, how to program everything, how to do all of that. And the radio station was born out of that company. And our station manager is someone, is one of the founding students who actually mm -hmm. did it. And, you know, it's not just that though. You've also got people who create content, you know, who, not, not me, I don't mean memes because anyone can create a meme and I love a good meme, but I mean people that, that create actual proper stuff and the government just don't see it. They just see it as yeah. sitting around, you know, on a fucking stage with a stage director saying do this or musicians sitting at home writing songs. But that's not what it's about. You know, people need the arts to help. The arts helps. I think, I think, I think because, the, because of the government's perception, it then filters down into society, which is why yeah. your fucking Joe Bloggs doesn't just thinks it's just you on a you know being a bit poncy on the stage, you know, saying some lines and all that sort of stuff. But they and they and they don't understand. They actually don't understand the arts. They don't understand that you um, watching watching Netflix, watching a film, watching TV shows, listening to the radio, what, reading a book, um, you know, seeing your see you know sport, sport commentators and all and yeah. you know. And all that sort, of, but they don't. They don't put that into in the same bracket. They just think art is just theatre. And yeah. I think that's what it is. It puts into a bracket of just you know stuff that doesn't feed them. And, and that comes from the government. And it just needs to be opened up a bit more into a conversation where um, people need to open their eyes a little bit more and understand that what the arts does for this for this not just the economy. But for, for everyone, it just makes everyone a better person. And I'll tell you, if everyone took the art, just took drama seriously in GCSE, you'd be much better today. Because I'll tell you what, since, um, you know, the arts has been, drama has been cut in schools and things like that, kids are terrified to talk to each other or pick up the phone. Yeah. Because they're not confident to to speak and use their words. They text all the time. They hide behind social media and things like that. I just remember, I can't remember my sister or my brother, but I asked them to just pick up the phone to call someone, and they were absolutely terrified. They're like, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm not speaking on the phone." But that's because they don't have confidence speaking and using their words and things like that. Like the arts makes me good at being in a call center because I can, I can talk properly. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I, I, mean, I, I, must admit, I never took, I never took drama all too seriously, and I didn't take it at GCSE. However. Much like you say, I, I found that 
talking on the phone is a lot better than texting and stuff because you can't articulate yourself and you can't read between the lines on a text message. And I, I work with kids. Part of my job, I'm, I'm an MVQ coach. So I teach sort of 16 plus outside of school how to, how to do like retail or customer service or I, I help with their maths and their English. And I, and I see it, you know, when I phone to speak to them, they don't want to talk to me. Yeah, like, yeah. You've got to pick up the phone. You need that confidence to be, to be in work. And, you know, the arts, in, especially in this horrible time, all we have are the arts. That's all we have. Yeah. If we, had, we didn't have the arts, if all the funding was cut, we would get no British TV shows, we'd get no new music, we'd get no new books, we'd get no local radio stations, although they're all being bought up by Bauer Media anyway. And we Couldn't play games? No video games. No, I mean, Rockstar is based in Lincoln. You know, Rockstar Games, Grand Theft Auto and whatnot. They're based in Lincoln. Yeah. Shut them down, you're not going to get any PlayStation or Xbox games. Even board games, because someone has to design a board game and, and make it and design it. Designing's creative. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it is, it is, it is terrible. And the We Are Viable movement is, it doesn't get the traction that it should get, personally. Mm. I think if you put We Are Viable and then add in Black Lives Matter, maybe it would get as much you know it's not the same wavelength obviously but the arts are so important to us it's to because, it, it's, because the, it's because it's because we are viable stuff hasn't made it into the mainstream media as much and i think that's the problem you need to crack into the mainstream you need to get it on people that everyday people watch so you need to get it on the news and you know it's all well and good get it on social media but if you, it's like it's like mine my, my circle on social media it's pretty much everyone who's in the arts. I don't have that many people, apart from people in school or, or you know, college, but most of the people on my social media are someone who's been involved in the arts in some way, shape or form. Yeah. It's about breaking outside of that um, is when you can start reaching people. And that's what I try and do with my poetry. I mean, just sort of like circling back to it. I try and make poetry speak to, some, to people who don't normally listen to, yeah. to that sort of stuff. How I would never listen to that sort of stuff, but... Um, you just try and make it appeal to people um, who wouldn't normally listen to that sort of thing. And that, that's the battle. As if you can get it to people or get it into streams where people don't normally experience art, that's, that's, the, um, that's the goal, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, it's the breaking down the barriers. You're absolutely right. It is breaking down the barriers. But the one thing that, that I think with your poetry is, is key is that it's normal poetry it's a normal working class person speaking it's not some posh highly educated i'm not saying you're not highly educated by the way but, <laughs> but what i'm saying is it's not some some posh you know theater going um yeah, it's not, it's not like shakespearean and doffs and soliloquies and high, you know all that haikus and all that sort of stuff yeah it's, it's a normal it's a normal person talking about normal things in a way that normal people can understand and that yeah. that is what is i think the most powerful thing about your poems and honestly if you can get them out there even further than you already are through whatever medium stick them on fucking tiktok or whatever do you know what I mean? oh i try but my my poems are too long <laughs> 
you need what you need um, to do is you need you need to make a haiku. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I tried going on TikTok. I'm not. I was not a TikTok fan, and I resisted for so long. Yeah. Um, but I went. But I tried to put my poetry on there. Um, but they're just too long, and then you have to separate it into like different videos. It doesn't have the same effect. No. Um, so that's why I just sort of keep it to Twitter, and because um, that's what I try and do. Because I've, I've sussed it now that with Twitter you've got a maximum of two minutes twenty. Yeah. So anything over that, then you've got to try and upload it to YouTube, and and that's fine. But you want to try and get it in a two minute twenty zone, so that people can watch the full thing on online yeah. rather watching half of it, then got to go onto YouTube. And that's the thing, you've got to try and appeal to people who aren't fucking lazy. Apparently, clicking from one thing, clicking on a link is too lazy for people. You have to put it there for people to watch the full thing, because that's also yeah. a... Yeah, and that, that seems to be, you know, without trying to generalise, it seems to be that generation that, you know, it's the, I call them the swipe left generation. Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. Because I, I, you know, growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm pushing almost forty, but you know, in my day, we had no Twitter or we had no Tinder, we had no Puff or whatever, you know. MSN, Bebo, and all that sort of stuff. We had. Yeah, yeah, we had MySpace, Bebo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, none of that. And if we wanted to meet someone, you go down the pub and you meet someone. And if you see an attractive person, you go and talk to them. You don't click on your phone and then swipe left. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's what it is. It's the swipe left generation. If it's not, if it doesn't, if it doesn't capture their attention within the first ten seconds, you've got no chance. Yeah, no, exactly. No chance. You know, if you were to start off a poem with something like "You fucking cunt" or something like that. <laughs> Then, then you might get their attention because they might be like, oh, hang on a minute. This guy's, this guy's a bit angry and sweary. <laughs> you know, try it. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll do that. And that's what I'll open with my next, my next poem with. Yeah. Or you fucking wanker. Stop and listen. <laughs> but, but, you know, short of actually doing something like that, that, that generation will just fall off and they won't click the links and and stuff. I'm sure there is, there's got to be a way of, of getting it out there. I think the way that you have it embedded in your Facebook helps a lot as well. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that really then, does help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just like having it on the Facebook and Instagram stories and, um, you know, that, that, that's the thing. I think that was a problem as well, is that uh, a lot of videos you were subject to like a minute long on Instagram, which has obviously now been extended. Um, yeah. Same with Twitter, you're restricted to, you know, 140 words, that's been extended. Yeah. Same with their video. their videos were also a minute. Um, so I, I don't understand why more, why you have to have a time limit on stuff, but... I, I, I know, it's not like, it's not like they don't have the server power to deal with it. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's, it's like they're trying to, it's almost like they're trying to restrict our voice. Yeah, yeah, what we're saying, and I mean that's the way I've always seen. I mean, social media always works well for my podcasting and my 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 radio show. But you know, with with what you're with what you're doing and like the reach you're getting, I think you know more could be done from Facebook and Instagram and whatever to be able to push it out further. 
But... Well, that's the thing. I think it's just become a bit of a place now. I mean, I actually don't even go on YouTube that much anymore because you, the thing with YouTube, it's changed so much. YouTube used to be where you'd go and watch videos and things yeah. like that. But now it's just dominated by so many um, TV shows and um, there's just so much on there. You don't even know what to type anymore. It's not there in your face and it's not like you can follow and follow people that much. And Whereas with, with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, at least it's there and you can just watch yeah. it and you don't search for it because it just, it's just there and just plays. Where with YouTube, again, dominated by adverts now and, you know, I, I, I can't stand YouTube anymore because I watch a 10-second video, but a 15-second advert. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, adverts are everywhere. And I know that's how they make their money, but I think that's, that's the killer. That is where it, it, the downfall is. And, you know, I find YouTube is full of people playing games and people watching people play games. And I just think, why not just play the fucking game yourself? Yeah. Or reactions to trailers and or reactions. It's just like, why would I want to see someone else's reaction? Like, what the f- so stupid. Yeah, like, the, who is it? There's that young kid, Ryan, in America. Ryan's well. He's like eight years old. He made like $30 million last year. Yeah. opening toys. Yeah. And that, there was that, that chicken shop lad who went around just like reviewing chicken <laughs> Yeah. Just going around eating chicken. Although I say that my one of my friends, he's actually he does the food review club, which is like huge down huge down here. Um, and he literally goes around and and does the same, but for takeaways. But like literally, he's got he's got um, he he works with Food Hub. He works with other businesses as well, and. Like it's really, really taken off. He's a he's a digital marketer by by trade. He owns a digital marketing company. He just did it for a laugh, like in a like. That's, like, that's the thing with social media now. Everyone wants to be an influencer now. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the dream for everyone. Mate, what the fuck is an influencer? They go around and get. They go now. They go around asking independent businesses for free shit to go and publish it to their followers. I, I actually think that I sometimes actually think it's really bad. Because influ- there's so many, inf- I use this very, uh, I'm bracketing if people can't see my fingers, yeah. air quoting, um, that influencers go around asking independent businesses for free stuff to promote them. And I think that's terrible that you're asking independent startup businesses for free stuff. Like that's how they're trying to make a living. Um, and you're just, oh, I don't know, it just I just don't understand it. I see it on LinkedIn and I see it on Instagram. These people class themselves as influencers and they've got like millions of followers. And I just think, why? Like, did you wake up one day and just think, you know what, I'm going to try and flag some free shit and sell it to people in the hope that they follow me. But they always seem to be, they always have a certain look about them, don't they? They're always very, very pretty on the eye. But then they open yeah. their mouths. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, okay, you look pretty. It's just a shame that the lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know, if my kids ever tell me they ever want to be an influencer, I'm going to just literally shake the shit out of them. I know. I mean, I've been working in... I was... Uh... 
when did I get my first job? When I was 14 as a pot wash and I haven't stopped working since I was 14. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with my dad from the age of 12 upwards, just you know, doing odd jobs for him at his business. And I've been, I've, I've been working ever since and we're talking like 28 years. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I haven't stopped grafting. You know, God, I would love to be able to sit on my arse all day, open packages, do a video and get paid for it. Wouldn't we all, mate? We <laughs> the all? reality <laughs> is I have a proper job and I have some hobbies which allow me to be able to do stuff like this and just like talk, put the world to rights, have a laugh, but also learn and learn from, from yeah, people. It's also a good vent, isn't it? You can vent on these sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, some of my podcasts that I've done before, like one of them, are, I, I laid in with, with my mate. We laid into Ghostbusters 2016, the all-female version of it. All right. Yeah. Jesus Christ, did I get some shit for that? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you only hate it because they're women. No, I hate it because it's shit. You just think it's, you just think I think it's shit because there's women. It's not the case. It's a crap. Oh, that's, that's the, and that's all. See, this is the social media dilemma. It is brilliant if you use it in the right way, but it's yeah. also, it's also got its cons. And, you know, these, with, if you, everyone's got an opinion, which is great, but that's where clashes come in and all that sort of stuff. And because people are comfortable in their own homes and they don't see repercussions, which is why, you know, it's why you see trolling happen so much because people yeah. are just so comfortable just writing shit um, and not thinking any consequences, which is, again, why mental health, again, doing full circle back, um, is, on, is on an absolute pandemical rise. People do not understand yeah. how bad the mental health is at the moment. Um, because of things like social media, because everyone's got a voice, you can hide behind your screen, people think there's no consequences, but actually it just builds up and builds up and builds up. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's a tough, it's a really tough balance because if I didn't have social media, I wouldn't be here today with any of, with my poetry, with, you know, with yeah. actor awareness, anything like that. Um, yeah. But of course you face your own, you face shit on there anyway, so it's just finding that balance. It is, it is, and that's, and that's what, like, that what your poems do is that they that they don't that they speak to people i, I mean for me personally i've i found that, that every one of them has spoken to me on a personal level i can relate to it um and i think that's what is powerful about the words that you use and it's do you know what i, I was talking to my friend about it he lives in in doncaster and i sh and i told him to check out your videos and whatnot and he, like me, he loved him. And he said, you know what? He reminds me of that Jonathan Pye guy, except in poetry mode. Oh, yeah. I love Jonathan Pye. I love Jonathan Pye. I think he's brilliant. But he was like, you could take what, what Tom's doing in a poetry version. And if it was sort of in a normal conversation, he would be like the poetry version of Jonathan Pye. Less all <laughs> of the... All the Tommy Pye. Well, this is it. Do you know what? Do you know what? You could, but... But I, I see what he means because you're saying what people are thinking. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's brave as well as genius, but it's brave putting them out there and sort of bearing your, your soul in a, in a medium that most people, like you say, coming back around again, would say it's Ponzi. But it's well, not. Well, no, no, exactly. And you know what? I was, I, I was so, I mean, not, I'm not, I'm a quite a confident guy. But I was, for the first time, very nervous about putting my, my first few poems out. 
um, because I never knew what the reaction was going to be. And again, going back to that social media thing, I thought people were going to fucking lay into me. Yeah. I genuinely thought people were going to um, not troll me, but I, I just, I, I've, with my actor awareness stuff, like I'm, I've always faced um, backlash yeah. on, on certain things. And I thought, and it's always in some ways prevented me from putting my own stuff out there on, yeah. on social media or anything like that, or somewhere that's an open space. I normally do quite a lot in closed spaces. I will show things to friends and family in closed yeah, spaces yeah. or whatever. But in terms of my poetry being out there for anyone to see, I was a bit, I was very, I was very scared and worried. Um, but I have not had one, no, I've not had a single negative comment. And I've put out about 10 poems now. Um, yeah. And I haven't had a, not a single person has gone, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, they've all been really, really positive, which I was, I was very surprised at because I do go into um, things, political things. I do go into um, things that, but I suppose I say, I sort of, I sort of justify my points in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not like you're, you're, you're saying things that people don't agree with. That's the point is what you're saying is that people agree with it consciously or subconsciously. They, yeah. like, much like you, if they had the courage to voice their opinion in that way, they may well get the same reaction, maybe saying the same sort of things. You know, it's like a voice for those who are too scared to, yeah. to put their, their thoughts out there. You know, you should create like a page, like just your own page and put them all on there as well as sharing it to your personal one. I know, mate, but I've already got about, I mean, I've got four Twitter accounts. <laughs> um, and I've got my, all my actor awareness stuff and things like that. So I just can never be asked setting up any more social media. So I just all just put it all in one. But on my, on my, I mean, on my YouTube, um, I mean, not that anyone goes on YouTube uh, in terms of watching my stuff, because it's all on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Um, I have sort of branded myself the Chubby Northerner. So that's like my brand. <laughs> Self-deprecation, though, that's that, that's always endearing to put, isn't it? Self-deprecation. You take the yeah. piss out of yourself. That's why Northern comics always do the best, because they can take the piss out of themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I mean, you know, you've got your likes of John Bishop, Peter Kay. They all take the piss out of themselves, and they don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but the, the one that got me the most, I think the, what the, the poem that got me the most is when you're talking about how the North West has been literally slammed shut. Well, yeah, I was really worried about putting that poem out there because I was, I was really angry that day. I that, could tell that you were day. raging. I was honestly, and I've, I'd never written so angrily in my life. I've never actually written a poem so quick. It took me about half an hour to write. <laughs> um, and I filmed it within like an hour just so I could get it out there just to express myself. But I was just so annoyed because when London went into lockdown and I've just moved, basically I lived in London for seven years and in the past um, sort of uh, two months, I've moved back to Manchester Yeah. and it was, I moved into the, basically the lockdown in the North. Like I moved from the freedom of London yeah. um, and seeing all my mates in London gallivanting and all that sort of stuff. When I can't even see my dad, who's literally five minutes down the road, um, in Bolton, and we've had restrictions in place since July. Um, and when London got put into like tier two, 
all my mates were like, oh, and I'm moaning and stuff like that. And I don't know, and I can, of course, I empathise and stuff like that, but I was just like, I've been in this situation for fucking two months already, and you're whinging you can't go out for a little bevy. I've not been able to see my dad for God knows how long, and it was just, um, it was just a really tough, it was just a bit of a tough day. Yeah. Um, as well, because I've moved here as well. I've not been able to see my family or my friends. So I've, I've quite isolated myself. Um, I'm quite lonely in, the, in, in this house because my girlfriend um, works a lot, but she works in uh, Media City, so she's out a lot. So a lot yeah. of the time I'm on my own. So it was just that day, and I just sort of wrote about it, and I was just so fed up that the North um, just seemed to get absolutely no rest whatsoever. And yeah. at least the South got a bit of a break from all these restrictions, like at least a month, two months, where there wasn't that many restrictions in place. You could still go and see your mates in a bar or whatever. Whereas in North, we haven't really had that. We've had to um, stay indoors. We've not really been able to meet, meet friends since fucking like March. You know what I mean? We've not had a respite no. um, at all, if any. Um, and I think that just, it just that day really got to me and I was just, wrote that really angry poem right yeah but the whilst you can whilst you can feel the rage you can also sympathize with it as well that, it, that that's that's what's so good about it is that you know i mean I, where i live in peterborough i watched that and i was like man i can totally understand why you are so pissed off and <laughs> you know could totally understand it and 100 percent agree with everything that you said and you know, it, it, it comes across, but it's it's all genuine. It's genuine thoughts. And you know, what I might do is is for this podcast is I might if you, I don't know if you can if you can, but get the videos for me and maybe yeah. just send them to me. I will cut the audios and I will play them on the pot and add them to the podcast and play them out. Yeah, mate. Whatever, yeah, hundred percent. I can I mean, they're all. I mean, what would you? What, I mean, I can send all the YouTube links. Is that better, or do you want the? Yeah, yeah. Send me the YouTube links, and then I will. I, I I will do the ultimate sin, and I will go to a YouTube converter. Oh <laughs> man, I do that all the time. Don't worry. Because <laughs> the thing is, with, with, with my poems, it's not. It's not obviously with my poems. A lot of pictures and a lot of like stole, <clears throat> stolen videos from other people. Um, <laughs> I don't because sometimes I just can't be asked learning the poem and I just sort of like I say it into my mic while I read it because there's nothing worse than and I, and I really don't think my poems would come across very well if I was just sat there reading it from a piece of paper it wouldn't yeah. look so that's why I try and make a bit more appealing and I try yeah. and like just take the odd pictures and YouTube links and all that sort of stuff yeah no, no, look a bit yeah yeah no Send, send me the links and I'll, and I'll stick them on at the end so that people can listen to, to all of them. Because like we said, you know, it's too much of a hard graph for people to click a link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people can, just, people can just listen to all of your poems at the end of, end of this and, and I'll, add, I'll add them on afterwards and people can just go and listen at the end because people need to listen to them, I think. They, they need to sort of have a listen. You know, most of my subscribers are are US based so whilst it might oh, not cool. be which is really really random like yeah very random something like 50 54% of my subscribers are US 
Oh, so they're going to go, oh, I can't understand his northern stupid voice. Is that Jon Snow from Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, I, I don't know. They seem to be, they, they seem to like, like listening to me because it's gone up to like, I think 5.2 million subscribers. So I'm like. That's what you've got. You've got 5.2 million subscribers. Yes, mate. Yeah. That's incredible. Well done, mate. It's nuts, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts. And do you know what? I, I don't even know how. I don't know how or why. I literally, I just, I, I, I'll interview people that I'm friends with. Like, I've, I'm friends with a few celebrities and I'm friends with people who, much like yourself, who work in the arts, but also who have famous friends. Like I spoke yeah. to like one of my good friends, um, his name's Gavin Rodriguez. He's an artist, and he's a tattooist as well. But he used to work for Marvel UK. Ah, okay. And uh, and and he's been to comic cons and stuff. And he put me in touch with with a couple of people that that he knows and he's really good friends with. Um, and one of them who was in Stargate, he's put me in touch with one of the guys from the X Files. Oh wow. And, and he's going to put me in touch with David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. Wow, and amazing. Like, oh, yeah, sure, if they've got the time for a half-hour chat on Zoom. Oh, no. Well, mate, so over, over lockdown, I, did, um, I was doing some lockdown Q&As with people. I did see. For, yeah, I did see on your podcast, yeah. Yeah, and it was, um, it was just, it was just uh, for people to help. And somehow... I got Shane Meadows. Now he's my fucking dream, mate. Shane Meadows. Yeah. So um, if anyone doesn't know Shane Meadows, he's like, this is England and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Um, and when I, he, he came on and I interviewed him and I was starstruck. Like, I fucking love everything that he's done. Yep. He's the one director I would just love to work with. And then after that, I got Vicky McClure. Oh. Um, so I interviewed her as well. And just as I was on Zoom, there was like 500 people on Zoom, right? Uh, and these two things. And I was just, I was just looking at them, just trying to keep my fucking shit together because I was so buzzing that I interviewed them. That's unbelievable. I would, I, I would kill to be able to talk to Shane and Vicky. That's like... I even, do you know what? I even got a bloody exclusive. I was like, come on, Shane, tell me what's happening. This is England, uh, uh, this is England 2000 or what? And he was like, He's, it's in the works apparently. Oh, that's amazing. That's unreal. Sounds buzzing. Oh, even get yourself a nice little, nice little exclusive there. See, when shit like that happens, it's great. I mean, I've had, I had a couple of exclusives from from a couple of people and and whatnot, and it, and it's great. Don't it? it makes you feel great when they when they yeah. say, well, "I'm going to tell you this exclusively," and I was like, "That's class." Like, yeah. But what? But what? Why I think that's so good. I think it's a testament to interview style. It it means that yeah. you've made them feel comfortable enough for them to not give a shit about and just be so comfortable to just tell you things. I think that's a a, a detriment to whoever interviews that person. Yeah, I don't see. I don't like doing interviews. I like to just chat to people. I just yeah, exactly. I just want to talk. You know, if I have a set list of questions. Personally, I think I come across as a bit of a pompous twat. Whereas if, yeah. I, just, if I just say, well, you know, tell me about this. Like, 
I only asked you about your poems, and we've been talking for like 45 minutes about everything. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> we've gone from poetry to social media to... <laughs> but, but, this is, but this is it. This is why it's so good, just being able to just talk to people. And that comes from doing what, what we do. Yeah. You know, you know I, I can sit on a radio and, and talk to myself, and there could be one person listening, or there could be 10,000 people listening. Yeah. I will talk as, as I normally will, and I won't ever change how I talk. Yeah, and I think that, and I think that's what's that, that's what's really good, you know. That, that's what got me to speak to Dean Hagland from Next Files, and he he's he's fucking brilliant. He's hilarious. He's like absolutely. Hilarious. I'm doing another one with him and the guy from Stargate, Gary Jones. We're, they're gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna do one all three of us, and I'm like, fuck it. Why was it? You know why why not? You know. Let's do it. And if I can get to speak to David and Gillian, then even better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't tap people up. You know, that's, I just send them a message if I'm friends with them on Facebook. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You sent me a message. And that's what I do on Twitter. I mean, tw Twitter is so good to get, to get people now. Because most people, most like famous people, or people that, you know, who you want to get in contact with, you can now get through Twitter quite easily without going through the agents or yeah. emails or things like that. They're really easy to get hold of over Twitter now because most, yeah, again, brackets, famous people, um, you have their own Twitter and they will see your comments and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, and that, and you know that's that's the that is the ultimate power, isn't it, of, of social media and and, and, and podcasting. How did you find and how did you find chatting to Shane and Vicky? I know you're a bit starstruck, but I was I was actually all right. I, I, when I mean when I mean starstruck, I mean I just couldn't believe I was, but I, 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 yeah, I, I, still no, I know what you mean. Quite, yeah, quite naturally. And um, I mean my podcast was it, it came up again. I when I got my fingers in a lot of parties. I when I get bored, I just I just do projects off the cuff. And um, I set up this podcast called Pure Graft, which was just me and my mate Ellen got bored one day. And it was just basically taking the piss out of the arts industry. I wrote comedy sketches about it. And each week we'd have a different sort of like subject um, talking about it and finishing with um, funny audition stories of the week. Yeah. So we did that for about a few months. Um, then I started getting a bit busy because I was in my show Netflix and chill and whatever. And then through lockdown, because um, with my company, Actor Awareness, we normally put on a lot of new writing um, in London and, and things like that, um, which is great. But then over lo lockdown, obviously all stopped. And um, the thing with my company, we want to um, help working class talent in the arts. That's the whole point of, yeah. of my company and things like that. And um, I just felt a bit lost in lockdown. I, I really wanted to find something that I could help people with um, for free, obviously. Yeah. Um, and just sort of give a bit of hope to people. Like it was so, again, I was miserable, but I, I mean, everyone else was miserable in the arts and still are in the arts because our industry has just been torn to absolute shreds with no support. Um, so I just sort of started going, well, maybe I should like, carry on with the podcast, but just do sort of chats to people that um, who people would like role models yeah um, our supporters would really engage with um, and have um, just a bit of a conversation so I started it with my agent 
um, with Narrow Road. Um, and it sort of started to spiral from there. So, and then I got the, and then I got a few producers on board. So we got, um, and writers. So we got Danny Brocklehurst who wrote, um, Shameless or who was involved in Shameless. I love uh, Shameless. I love that yeah. TV show. That's yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I, I've, tried, I've tried to send messages to, to most of the cast. Right. And I've got nothing back. <laughs> I know it's it's hard but, to get, but but it, it it's like like Rebecca Atkins, uh, Rebecca Atkinson. Um, oh yeah, and uh, and then the, the one that played Debbie as well. Because you're not gonna get not gonna get Fiona, not gonna get Steve. Obviously, Steve is bloody professional. Well, I have I have interviewed Maxine Peak. Have you? Oh, she's so, ma- she's lovely. She's so funny, isn't she? So I went to her house um, a few years ago. So I was doing a documentary called The Acting Class, um, which was by Inside Film. And we basically wanted to do um, just a documentary to show the barriers that working class people face to get into the industry. And this went on about two years. um, And towards the end, we knew we needed to get some, some sort of name to give it a bit of an oomph. So we went in for Julie Hesmanhaug, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that's she played um, um, Haley in Coronation Street. Yeah, Haley Boy Cropper, um, and she is just incredible. She's so lovely, and she then introduced us to Maxine Peak. So we went round to her house to interview her, and then she introduced us to Christopher Eccleston. Oh. So we then in- so then we interviewed Eccleston in his house in London. Um, and just opened up. It was just such a weird knock-on effect. Yeah. Of in- That's mad. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love Shameless. I love everything about it. You know, I'd love to speak to, to, to James McAvoy, but you know, oh, I know. wouldn't that? He just can't be- get him. He's untouchable. Even on Twitter, you can't get him. No, I know, I know. But even like speaking to, to the guy that played Kev Ball, Dean. Dean Kelly. Yeah, I know who, I know Dean, who you mean. Dean Lennox Kelly. Um, just, I'd love to speak to any of them. I sent messages to, hang on a second, I sent messages to Rebecca Ryan, Rebecca Atkinson, um, Elliot Tittensaw, uh, Jared Kearns, Jody Latham would be quite interesting to speak to, Lip. Yeah. I think he's done quite a lot. Well, I just, I read a really random article about him the other day. He's, he's got like a really, like multi-million pound business. Yeah, he's, yeah, because he, he, he kind of went off the rails a bit. He was in EastEnders, weren't he, for a bit. Then he went sort of off the rails. And now he's got this multi-million pound business. Yeah, where well, he, he flogs like plastic surgery or something like that now, doesn't he? I can't yeah, remember. something like that. He, he's made, making an absolute killing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I absolutely love Shameless. I think it's, I think it's probably the most. What I'm looking for. It's probably the most spot-on TV show about the area that it's based in. Which is ten minutes down the road from me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's great. It is great. Yeah. It's not and he, Catholic, I mean, is it? Danny as well. He wrote. Um, oh my God! What's the new program called? Uh, it's got Joseph Gilgan in it from This Is England. Um, and Michelle Keegan, oh my god, right? Hang on, hang on. Nah, so, you're doing what I'm doing Google to the rescue. Let's have a look. What's the last thing he bloody did? Brassic, 
Brassic. That's it, Brassic. Um, he wrote that as well. So we interviewed him just a day after um, he, I can't remember if he won his BAFTA or nominated for a BAFTA. But we, yeah, we, from his BAFTA nomination. Um, so that was amazing. And then we interviewed um, the one of the scriptwriters on This Country. Um, so that was that was really cool as well. Um, and a couple of casting directors, and the casting director for Peaky Blinders. Oh. So See, they're, they're the people that you need to talk to because they, they're the ones that make it all happen. Without them, you don't get your Cillian Murphys in, yeah. in those iconic roles. You don't, you don't get that because they're the ones that make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it, that, that's amazing. I am in awe that you were able to talk to all them. I mean, as a Doctor Who fan, being able to talk to Christopher Eccleston would have been like... Well, you, weren't, you were not allowed to mention Doctor Who. Really? Why not? That was, the only, that was the only condition we weren't allowed to talk about Doctor Who. See, that's really, really bizarre. That's just strange, because... Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean I've, I've heard all the rumours and things like that, and um, it's not for me to speculate. And we but, weren't going there to speak about Doctor Who anyway. We're talking about his own... Ex his, his growth, yeah. his, his upbringing. Um, um, well, we, we were never going to ask him about Doctor Who. But it's because they left on such bad terms by the looks of it, and it didn't, you know, I don't know, I don't know what went on behind closed doors, but no. they, they, didn't, they didn't get on, and, and they left on weird terms. So It's a shame because, you know, he brought Doctor Who to modern Whovians. Yeah. Without... First time in, it's the first time you really heard a Northern voice on a Doctor. Yeah. And now we've got Jodie Whittaker. What's your, what's your thoughts on Whitaker? I think she's been let down massively. I agree. I think she's an incredible doctor, um, but I think the scripts have been shit. I think, I think Chibnall should stick to gritty TV dramas and not, uh, and sort of not try and bring that across to Doctor Who. Doctor Who yeah. can be gritty, but it's more light-hearted grittiness than yeah. like Broadchurch for instance I think I think she would be better if the if she wasn't written as this dopey ditzy northerner yeah because it just it just doesn't fit it doesn't matter that she's a woman anyone can be a, the bloody doctor it makes no difference you know we're talking about an alien fictional character here yeah I would love to have seen Ruth do it when she come in and played the Doctor. Um, you know, I'd like to see her continue on afterwards. But I, I, I think Jodie's been severely let down by the writing. And I think he's taken the flack for it because she's the one that's translating it onto screen. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what, Bradley Walsh, mate, what a... I forget how much of a good actor he is because obviously he's always on the chase and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. But he he's brilliant in that in in the new ones. Yeah, no, he's he. To be fair, all of them are fantastic. But the question then is, do you need three companions? No, nah, I don't think so. I mean, it was a struggle when you had just Rory and Amelia Pond. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, that was a struggle. It would be, you know, if it was just. If it was just Bradley Walsh and her, I think that would be great. I think because they, they complement each other better 
than having the young uns in. Yeah, no, I agree. Unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I think she would always forever be classed as, as a letdown because of the writing, you know. She suffered just like Peter Capaldi did. Yeah, I wasn't a Capaldi fan. I stopped watching because of Capaldi. I, do you know what I did as well? Not, not just because of the writing. I just didn't buy into him as the Doctor. He was, again, he was too eccentric. And I know that yeah. people would say, well, you know, you had Sylvester McCoy. He was eccentric. And, you know, Matt Smith had his bits and so did Christopher Eccleston. But, yeah, no, he just didn't fit. He just didn't fit as the Doctor. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, I would love to see Idris Elba do his, like... No, I want him as James Bond. See, he would be a great James Bond, but I think he would be he would be better as a doctor. If you take Luther and just tone it up a little bit, that yeah. would make a great doctor. You know who I think would be a good doctor? After oh, I, don't, I mean, I'm really behind, but I've just started watching Lucifer, and yeah. I think Tom Ellis would actually be a really good doctor. Wouldn't he be a great doctor? Yeah, I really think. And I've literally started Lucifer about. A week ago. I'm yeah. already on season two. And he is such... I mean, I've only seen him in Miranda. And I thought he was like... I thought he was okay in Miranda. He wasn't yeah. nothing to scream and shout about. Because obviously it's all about her. But he is an incredible actor. And I think, as the Doctor, he's actually perfect. Because I think he's a, a really he's a really good blend. Um, if you played it a bit like Lucifer. Of the David Tennant's and of the Matt Smith. He's quite a yeah. blend of a bit of them two in, in some ways. He'd be, he would be really, really good. I mean, I'm, I'm re-watching Teachers at the minute on Netflix. Oh. And I love Andrew Lincoln. I think he would be a great Doctor Who as well. He would be a great Doctor Who. But, but then, having gone from The Walking Dead, Rick Grimes, people will just associate him with, with that role. And that's, you know, yeah. that, that is a shame. But... You know, I, it would be great to. I, I personally would want Idris Elba. I think to be to be the Doctor. I think he would be he'd be awesome at it. Or they carry on down um, with Jodie, but bring in a different writer. I yeah, think, I think that, I think they just sort of shake it up a bit and go and because it seemed they didn't have a story. It, do you know what? Do you know what? They tried to be too political. Yeah, they they tried to be very political on the on like they tried. I think they did like two or three stories on the environment and global warming and things, and that that's great. Yeah, but it, it, there was no end product where it was going. Like right. the series was just were just individual episodes, uh, and it didn't seem to have an overarching. They didn't they didn't work to get anywhere apart from the random stupid Dalek at the end, which always yeah. comes back. Did you not did you not feel that it was a typical BBC show ramming yeah. down all of these propaganda stuff and all of this all all of this in the moment stuff that they're trying to ram down the viewers' throat? I just yeah, you know, it, it, I know I, I understand what you mean because it was just random stuff with them with a garlic at the end and it's like yeah there was just they didn't work to anything nothing i mean they were they were okay as individual episodes and there was stuff there was episodes that i did really enjoy yeah. um but there was there was a lot of them that were just so it just didn't mean anything it didn't mean no. anything in the end there's not each episode 
you know, in the old Doctor Who's, each episode would sort of be an individual story, but in somewhere there would be something that would be the uh, would come together at the end. Yeah. But it, that didn't really happen. No, it, it never has. It never has. Um, I, I hope they do more with with Joe Martin. I had to Google who her name. Joe Martin, who played who played Doc, um, Ruth Taylor, the Doctor. I would love to see her maybe take up the mantle. Yeah, she's I great. I, I thought she was great. I thought she played it perfectly, you know. Yeah. I, but but then again, it comes down to the writing. I would like to see Russell T Davies come back. I'd love to see him come back because it was at its best when he was writing. Moffat didn't really do it for me. I think Moffat he had some good episodes, but then he had some absolute ones that just were awful. awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Barrowman fan, and when he came back in the new ones, I was like, yes, but he was there for like two seconds. I know, crap, he had that one, he had that fleeting little bit in it, didn't he? And then he just kind of went again. You just think, we need, we need more Barrowman, we need more Torchwood as well. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Because I, I love, I, I really liked Barrowman in Arrow as well. I thought he was really Oh, good. I love him in Arrow, he's great. Well, he's Although so Arrow great. got shit towards the end, but in the actual, like... First, like maybe up to season three or four. Yeah, um, it was great. Oh, he was he was awesome. He was amazing. He's he's another one who just doesn't get. I don't believe he doesn't get the recognition that he should get for what he he's done. Not not only to TV shows but to theatre as well. I mean, the guy is so outlandish. I've seen videos of him at comic cons where people have asked for a picture. He's just got up and just full on kissed them right in the face, like proper snogged them. And you just think, you show me anyone else who does that. There is no one else out there that does that and just puts himself out there. I mean, they won't do it now. They probably never will again, but that, that's what you that's, want. That, that's the thing for me. John Barrowman in the UK is seen as a personality. When actually, if, if we're talking about the US, he's been in Arrow, obviously Torchwood and things like that. He's a fucking good actor. Yeah. Um, and obviously the theatre scene, he's an amazing theatre actor as well. But because yeah. those sort of like Arrow and Torchwood aren't really in the mainstream, it's, it's seen as nerdy or geeky. Yeah. Um, people don't see his talent because people only see him on Dancing on Ice or people only see him in the jungle or things like that. Yeah. Where he is eccentric and he is brilliant. <clears throat> Um, but people just put him in a box of, of just, you know, just a random yeah. personality. But his acting ability is actually fantastic. He's got such a range that it's it's just unreal. I mean, David Tennant, I think for me, is probably the most talented actor ever. That's you know, a bold statement, mate. It, ever. You know what it is. But from a UK actor, he is so talented. I mean, he's been... He's been the Doctor. He's been Scrooge McDuck. He's been Des. He's been in um, oh, what's that Marvel one with the chick who's super strong? Oh, in uh, Jessica Jones. That's it. He's been in Jessica Jones. But you look at he's he's been in Shakespeare. He's yeah, yeah. Shakespeare. You look at everything he's done. Every character is unique. Yeah. Like. He is the, he's probably the only Scottish person I know who can do an actual proper English accent. I thought for like for two years, I thought he was English. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise he was fucking the most Scottish person I've ever heard. He's yeah. Billy Connolly. 
And it's like, did you see his lock, the lockdown show? The um, yeah. is it heads up or whatever it was with my, with Michael Sheen. That was fucking so good. Oh, so good. But again, he plays the devil in in with, with Martin good Sheen, doesn't he? Good omens, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the guy is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, talk, I mean, talks of interviewing Michael Sheen soon. Oh, you jammy bastard! I um, I I messaged him on Twitter. He replied to me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, but he's just so busy; it's really yeah. hard to pin down a date for him. Um, so I'm in talks with his assistant at the moment, but it's so hard to pin down a date. Oh, mate, I am so jealous of that. Like, <laughs> so so jealous. I loved him. I loved him in the Leeds United film. Yes, yes. He was so so good in that. I totally bought into him as Brian Clough. Like literally. Yeah. I bought into him as Brian Clough, and I was like, yeah. "Holy shit!" Like I hate Leeds United with a passion. <laughs> so good as Cluffy, it was just mental, mental. Yeah. And I love Good Omens. I think Good Omens is brilliant. And again, he's another actor who gets pigeonholed in certain roles. People just see him as a specific actor or character. And mm. but in itself, he's such a great actor. So yeah. great. Yeah. I'm not jealous of you in the absolute fucking slightest. <laughs> uh, right, on that bombshell, I shall leave you be to enjoy the rest of your, your evening, mate. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Mate, Let me know when this is going out and stuff, and obviously I'll promote it. And I, will, I, I will add it onto the podcast next Friday. Okay, cool. Do we just, just send me the link and whatever, and I'll... And I'll yeah, be able to post it and all yeah, that sort of yeah, no, of course I will. Just send me the links for the send me the links for the um, poems. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll literally do that as I go downstairs to um, yeah. Make just, me... just send me the links oh. and I'll I'll download them and I'll add them on to to the end of this recording, so people can people can have a listen to your poems and and hear those as well. And then when it comes out, I'll put it on. Um, I get most of my listeners now from Spotify. That's like me, yeah. Spotify, yeah. Spotify and um, do you use Anchor? No, no, I no, I tried to get onto to Google, and it doesn't, it didn't quite work. It's on Apple. So but... Have a look at this, mate. There's a there's a there's an app called Anchor, which is essentially like Google, right? Um, for podcasts, and basically you upload it to Anchor, and then it automatically distributes it to Spotify, iTunes, Google. Um, so that, have, have a look. Um, I think I'll have a look at that. Yeah, because I use Podium at the minute. Right. As my as my platform, they're, they're my host. Um, I'll have a look at Anchor though, and I'll see. Yeah, let me just. Where does, where does it go? Um, so on. Oh God, how do you get on? How do I? I don't know what it tells me. Where it's gone? Analytics, maybe. I'm so, I'm so shit when it comes to like publishing stuff. That's why I, that's why I think this is it's so good um, that it does it for you. Yeah, so mine go. I think I think it takes a couple of episodes for it to do to automatically do. But yeah, it gone on to iTunes, Spotify, Google, um, and there's like some random ones that I've never. Oh, really... nice! I'll have to. I'll have a look at that then. Because that'll be yeah. that'll be worth that'll be worth doing as well. Yeah, definitely. It took me, it took me ages to get onto Spotify. Did it? That's yeah. the thing. That's with this. 
it took me like three episodes and it started uploading it for me. See, it took me forever to, to do it through where I was. I had to like jump through loads of hoops. I had to show my content. I had to show um, my listening figures. I had to upload images that were specific sizes. But now it's on there. It's great. Yeah, because that's everyone. I mean, everyone's got Spotify now. I'd say Spotify is bigger than iTunes now, really. I would say so. One hundred um, because Spotify, yeah. um, you just get more. I just think you get more content on there, really, don't you? Yeah, you do, and you know, and it's so so easily searchable as well. The only yeah. downside is that you can't you can't hyperlink on things like Facebook Stories or whatever. Yeah, you know, that's the only thing you can't do. If they could kind of bring all that in where you can share it to your Instagram stories and they can click it and take them straight there on the app and that'd be good but I'll have a look at Anchor I'll do that and have a look yeah, at that yeah do it I'm just I'm just trying to look now but yeah it, I mean yeah it, it just automatically puts all of my stuff on there so it's just um, I presume it's just it's much easier I don't know what you do now but it's just much oh here we go so Google Spotify Breaker Overcast Pocket Casts Radio Public um, that's where it all gets distributed. All right. Blimey. Well, I might have a look at that then and, and stick some on there. Yeah, there you go. Do cool. That. All right, mate. Well, we've had a good old chinwag, haven't we? Yes, mate. Oh, it's been brilliant. I hope you've got a bit of content there. You're going to have to edit that down, aren't you? Uh, no, fuck it. I'm just going to leave it as it is, mate. Fine. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm literally just going to leave, leave this as it is. I might take out a few little bits but nothing major, and I'll just stick it on. It'll be like an hour podcast. Yeah, fair enough. And just what, leave it. What do, you know, what do you normally speak? Um, what's your uh, episode normally coming at? Sometimes they're about half hour, 40 minutes. Oh, so I've gone well over. And people don't even know who the fuck I am. But that's all right, though, because they will know who the fuck you are afterwards. Well, that's, that's true. This that's is true. it. So, so, yeah, so people will be able to listen to your, listen to your poems after this, and then... Then that's it. Then they can go oh. and follow you. But where where can people go and follow you on Twitter and Instagram? I'd say Twitter is the best place. Just yeah. put my Twitter, which is Tom. Is it underscore or dot? I can't even bloody remember now. Hang on, let me look. Um, Twitter is the best place because that's where I get um, all of my stuff goes on there. Yeah. Um, Tom underscore stocks. Awesome. Tom underscore stocks. There we go. Get yeah. people to go and go and follow you on there then and yeah bang tidy mate cool bang tidy mate thank you very much buddy i appreciate My it pleasure, man. i'll speak to you soon have a good evening you too mate take care Bye. stop putting men down with phrases of toxicity questioning their male authenticity oh just man up every man boy or lad has heard this term probably from another male trying to stand firm don't be a wimp Man up, mate, using it as if trying to motivate. I try to hold my breath and not take the bait. I can't. I fucking hate that phrase. It makes me descend into this red haze. It's an out-of-date term used to put men down, usually said by some cocky dick-swinging clown. Or if it's not man up, please take it like a man. Once again, insinuating I'm below. Give over. Boys don't cry. God forbid a tear should fall from my eye. I forgot. I'm 
supposed to bottle it up. Push it down. Lie. And if I try and open up and talk, you just call me a pussy. Look, I know this sounds like I'm being fussy. Watching this, you might call me a wanker. I think it's key we talk about it and not pass it as banter. If there's one thing to take away from this, hear me out before you take the piss. This is a really tough time for men and these phrases contribute to male suicide rates rising again. We're at the highest point in over a decade. Don't believe me? Look online, it's clearly displayed. Look, we're not saying that these terms are solely responsible because they're not. But we do need to accept, recognise and realise and not fantasise that mental health does not exist. Or it could just turn into another statistic or opportunity missed. I admit, it's not so much about the singular words or the phrase, but the context in which they are used. It can leave your mind and self-worth feeling bruised. But these silly terms can be harmful and contribute to the chain. Overcome you with dark thoughts that can occur in your brain. We need to pick each other up and create a safe space to discuss any problem we want to face. Ask if he's alright over a coffee, pint or ale. Don't suffer alone just because you're male. If you have a problem, no matter how small, grab your phone and give your mate a call. It's vital we break the stigma if you can't open up because you're a man. And say yes, you can. Let's redefine being a macho man and come up with a different plan. Let's get rid of the stiff upper lip mentality. Break this outdated abnormality. Let's make it a formality that men stand in solidarity. So instead of using words of violence, why not see if your mates are suffering in silence? Here's to the lads that are worried about their weight. Worried about the thoughts of their next Tinder day. Here's to the lads who cover their belly when they sit. Folding our arms crossed because they feel like shit. Here's the lads whose shirts pop open when they're taking a seat. Aware our flab seeps through like a piece of meat. Here's the lads who have stretch marks on their arms, legs and tummy. And avoid mirrors because they make us feel crummy. Here's the lads who hesitate to take their top off. Constantly thinking somebody will make fun or laugh. Here's the lads who have just let themselves go a bit. You know, got comfortable in a relationship and aren't quite as fit. Here's the lads that are scared of going to the gym. Conscious of being judged by muscle men or someone slim. Here's the lads who just constantly sweat. Just because we're a bit heavy set. Here's the lads who turn the lights off during sex. Or are not comfortable sending body pics, flex or show their pecs. Here's the lads who do fad diets or skip meals. And are fed up of salads and shit healthy meal deals. Here's the lads who, when they're shopping for clothes, they're either too baggy or too tight. Trying on reams of clothes because they don't quite fit right. Here's the lads who aren't represented in film or TV. Because apparently bigger guys can't be the love trend. Well lads, I say fuck them. They're shallow and they're dumb. So here's to you, my big bone, chubby, chunky, plump, voluptuous lads. You are sexy, you are attractive, and you are hot. So let's show the world what we've got. Beautiness, sexiness, and self-worth should not be measured by your size. We should not be fed these constant lies. Don't conform to what society says. Yeah, we might have double chins, but we have got sex appeal for fucking days.
Remember that. Dear Karens of the internet, surprise, surprise, this will piss you off, I bet. You're always looking to be offended, and if they don't fit your norm, you call for them to be apprehended. Why do you always have so much time on your hands, moaning if someone is gay, bi, queer, or trans? Is it fun for you to constantly put people down, like you earn some sort of social media crown? And do you show it off and brag it to your kids and hubby? Oh, look, Graham, I just called Adele chubby. I mean, you seem to always have something to say. Have you literally got nothing else to do with your day? Sprouting your shit of all lives matter or body shaming a celebrity saying they've got fatter. Every week you seem to be appalled at BGT. It's a family show too political or a dance from diversity. Moaning on people's appearance or what they wear. Don't show cleavage, Karen will despair. And whenever I see a Daily Mail article on my feed, I know a Karen will have been let off her lead. She's always there lurking in the comment section, primed and ready to give her interjection. How many off complaints have you made this week, foaming at the mouth, gagging to give her critique? Oh, and by God, don't bring up Meghan Markle. We all know Karen's thoughts on that debacle. Anything not white, middle class or British, they're ready to preach, once again droning on about freedom of speech. I mean, it takes a certain kind of person to go through all that effort just to complain. I can't decide if you're tenacious or you lack a brain. And obviously, I know it's not all Karens, but it's become this metaphor for twats. It's become a symbol for bigots or moaning people with nine cats. And I'm convinced Karen is like some underground secret network full of left-wing gammons trolling the internet with a smirk, an army of keyboard warriors hiding behind a screen, a racist, homophobic, sexist, body-shaming team. But the Snowflakes versus Karen war has been raging since the dawn of time, both matching each other in their prime, slogging out in comment sections every day, neither side giving any leeway. But Karen, you're the voice and hero nobody asked for. Standing up for what you believe in in your offended crusade. But do us all a favour, love, and go and get fucking laid. I'm fed up of the entertainment industry not being seen as a viable career. When someone asks your job, it strikes you with fear. Why am I embarrassed about telling them I'm in the arts, wanting to just nip the convo in the bud before it starts? Because you know the response you're going to get, but why am I worried about the opinion of taxi driver Brett? Because we have been conditioned that the arts isn't viable, told it's just a hobby, a dream, low-skilled, not hireable, force-fed it by career advisors in school. If you pick that line of work, you're a fool. Society turning their noses up saying get a proper job, but I'm fed up of trying to justify myself to a snob. So I'm here to tell you that this industry contributes 10.8 billion. Every month that's 900 million. So over the years we have given this economy over a trillion. Just for all you people out there who can only comprehend it if it's a stat. Before you throw your toys out the pram like a spoilt brat. And even after all that, here we are again fending for ourselves. While Boris, Cummins, Rishi and Ollie think of themselves. As usual the arts are bottom of the list creating us all to feel a bit pissed who's really surprised they've given us the fist understand that our industry is being left to rot millions of people now left jobless and in a tight spot other industries they got eat out to help out no schemes for us though we got now for those ignorant enough to think it's just actors the struggle goes much deeper so many more factors 
front of house staff, wardrobe, makeup and techies, venue managers, directors, producers and lampies. The list is endless of whose jobs have been affected, along with the worry of being infected. So for all of you sceptics out there who have told us to get a plan B, let's see how you get through this pandemic without a TV. No Prime, no Netflix, no Disney. All those subscriptions, just cancel it. Don't go to the cinema to see the next hit. Close your books, turn your music off, stop singing that tune. Don't dance to that song that makes you look like a loon. No drawing, no animation, not even a photo. No going on YouTube to watch that video. No playing your favourite video game or even going on TikTok trying to claim fame. Lockdown would have been pretty dire without all these. So all I'm asking is help the arts industry out, please. As the virus spreads across the nation, many of us are stuck in isolation. Autumn's blockbuster lockdown part two is about to begin as the restrictions change every minute. The novelty of working from home has gone. Fed up of the constant flow of Zooms to get on, talking to different heads on a screen, drinking copious amounts of caffeine, while living in this virtual reality, wondering when we can next break free. You're at a point when you crave physical interaction, begging for anything to be a distraction, so you forget that you're home alone, all on your own, isolated, bored and nowhere to go, craving to meet up with someone you know. Because it's the loneliness, that's the bitch. Desperate to scratch that social itch. I miss the good morning from the bus driver as I pay me fiver. I miss the feeling of an after work drink on a Friday instead of feeling the government taking our freedom away. I miss the silly banter in the break room. Not the lunches alone after logging off Zoom. And I know this lockdown is for our own good and it's hopefully saving lives like they said it would. But it doesn't make it easier being in isolation where I've probably done a bit too much masturbation. This is a tough time for everyone's mental health which in this time is more important than wealth. So if there's one thing you do today, check on your mates, especially with the new statistics of suicide rates.